Hey, this is Beth, and this is the recap for episode 230 of Alohomora. And this is Katie. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, hey guys. I want to thank one of our patrons, Catherine Costantini, for supporting us on Patreon for this episode. Um, you yourself can become a sponsor for as little as $1 a month if you go to patreon.com slash alohamora, and we will continue to release exclusive tidbits for our sponsors over there, and you can have your name read on a uh, episode or a recap just like this one. So thank you, Catherine. Thanks, Catherine. You're awesome. Yes, you are. Be awesome like Catherine. <laughs> Everybody should be as awesome as Catherine. <laughs> and you guys, we have so many comments. We're not going to include all of them, clearly. Um, but the last time I checked, just a few minutes ago, we were up to 183 comments. Oh, my gosh. I love our listeners so much. I'm really proud of everybody. Right? <laughs> I knew this would be a pretty popular topic, but I didn't quite realize how popular. Um, and But yeah, yeah, you guys brought up some excellent points. So we're super happy to be delving into some of the awesome things that you guys said. So why don't you take it away, Beth, with our first comment? Sure. Um, so this is from Pagers. Um, and it says, this discussion reminded me of JKR's quote about Sirius and Snape that I don't hear tossed around very often. It's from her interview with from Melissa Anelli's book. He's got so many faults, Sirius, and I tried to say that. He and Snape are much, much, much closer than some fans are prepared to credit. He, you know, they both exist in shades of gray area, and Harry absolutely adored and worshipped one and absolutely detested the other. Like the hosts, I do personally prefer Sirius to Snape, but it fascinates me that he seems to sort of regard him as on par with Snape as far as morality goes. I see the more apparent parallels. They both can't let go of the past. They're both a bit cruel. They're both extremely bitter. But where their choices have landed them in life, they both confuse Harry with James. But in the discussion about Sirius's possibly codependent relationship with James also reminded me of Snape's with Lily. I don't mean to say that there are romantic overtones to it, though that is, of course, up to interpretation. I just don't think that James and Lily were two people who brought Sirius and Snape respectively out of the darkness of their terrible childhoods, whose goodness, or honor maybe in James's case, they fed off of. And when they die, Sirius and Snape's worlds are both destroyed, more or less permanently, and they feel both responsible for those deaths. We can debate for eternity about the healthiness of it, but I think that those two saw their salvation in James and Lily. And when they died, they both transferred that salvation onto a determination to protect, to protect Harry for better or for worse. I loved so much about that. <laughs> I had never heard that quote for one. So thank you, Pagers, for bringing that to our attention. Um, and just the parallels, once they started, you know, listing them out, I was like, oh my God, there really are so many between Snape and Sirius, even though we want to put them on completely opposite ends of the spectrum, they're not at all. Um, not to say that they are, you know, exactly like each other. They're clearly not. And people right. generally hate Snape a lot more than they hate Sirius, if they hate Sirius or, you know what I mean? Um, but no, those are some really accurate comparisons. Um, I'm really glad those were brought up. And this sparked some really great discussion, not just about the parallels between Snape and Sirius, um, but also about what would have happened if Joe had killed off Ron in the series. Um, it sparked some... Yeah, okay, I'm sorry. Oh, no, ahead, we can't kill please. off Ron. We can't, we can't kill off Ron. No, it's no, just not okay. Not. It's just not okay. Before we move on to that one, um, I just want to point out also with the Snape and, and Sirius thing um, that they both um, were presented in the books right off the bat as like super one-dimensional characters. And then we found out that they were really complex and um, not at all what we thought they were at the start, which yeah. is interesting too. That's yeah, exactly. There's another parallel. There's, <laughs> there's parallels for days. <laughs> but yeah. Okay. So go ahead into the the murdering Ron thing. <laughs> oh no, it's I wasn't going to really go into it. I was just going to tell our listeners that you should definitely go read the comments um under that comment because it sparked this whole other discussion that was too long for us to get into on this recap. Um but there's some really good points people made about how Ron dying would have just completely changed the the series completely, um, which I agreed with. And they noted some more differences between Snape and Sirius and then reminded 
um, everyone about both the noble and ignoble aspects of Sirius. So I would just encourage everyone to go read the thing, that that particular comment, um, you know, give them some kudos, pagers, because you're awesome, and then uh, look at the ones that were follow-up to that, because they were great. And then we've got the next one, and I just lost, I'm sorry, here we go, from Greg O'Sullivan. Greg says, saying that loyalty is one of the biggest Slytherin traits sounds slightly reductive to me. Many of the HP characters come across as extremely loyal because of the circumstances we see them in, grouped in houses, armies, and orders. Perhaps upon close, closer inspection, Slytherins are only really loyal as a facet of their pride and cunning. When you look at their individual motivations, I'm not sure that loyalty is truly a major driving force in their choices. Generally speaking, as soon as someone is no longer useful or lets a Slytherin down, we see their loyalty falter. For example, after Lucius returned from Azkaban, he fell to the bottom of the pecking order amongst the Death Eaters. Think about the way Voldemort's followers behaved after, after his first downfall. Mostly they weren't loyal at all, and mostly they were Slytherins. So there's some more proof for my view that Slytherins are not loyal. <laughs> yeah, this is interesting to me um, because I have never picked out loyalty as a particularly Slytherin trait, but I also think that, you know, a lot of traits are present in in most of the houses just in different ways. Sure. Um, and I kind of wonder if maybe for Slytherin it's more of, like, don't betray me as opposed to be loyal to me or, like, being loyal to someone else as opposed to not betraying someone else. Like, mm. I feel like the betrayal aspect is is stronger than loyalty, which at first glance feels like the same thing, but I I think it's very subtly different yeah, concept. I would say there's definitely a distinction there, because when you're loyal to someone, you are maybe not readily um, available to forgive them, but typically if they do something bad, you will forgive them in time. Um, whereas when it's a matter of betrayal or non-betrayal, as soon as they betray you, boom, they're gone, they're out of your life, you're not going to give them a second chance. Whereas I feel yeah. with loyalty, you more you're more reti- yeah more available for second chances, third chances, whatever. <laughs> um, it depends on the the relationship, but yeah, I definitely think yeah, there's definitely. a difference. So that's that's a, that's a good distinction to point out. Um, but I was happy to see that um, this person and a few others were on my side. <laughs> on <that one>. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks. There were definitely some that agreed with Cat too, I believe, um, but. I, I thought that was a really good comment. Well, speaking of uh, different houses, we have Huffleclaw, a comment from Huffleclaw, which I always love that username. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> um, and they say, I appreciate Kat's stance on the shrieking sh- sh- Okay. You know, JK Rowling, could you not, like, make words that are really hard to say? <laughs> All the I time. appreciate cat stance on the shrieking shack incident, but I disagree that it is unforgivable. Yes, it is a big mistake with terrible consequences, but as a teenager, we must consider that he was immature and should not hold that against who he is as an adult. I feel that Sirius is who James would have been without Lily and Sirius in his life. Both were bullies. Both made Snape's life miserable, just because he was a Slytherin who dared to sit in their compartment on their first train ride to Hogwarts. What separates Sirius and James is James got to know what it meant to have a family, to have someone dependent on you. Sadly, Sirius never got to have the opportunity to know that. He lost it due to the war. We saw hints of what Sirius could be as a member of a family, even as a father. He deserves some credit for that. Nice. Yeah, yeah, I like this a lot. And and I agree that um, I think what Sirius did... Um, with the Shrieking Shack is um, is really hard to forgive him for, but I don't think it's unforgivable. And I think that he, in his own flawed way, tries to make up for that. Um, and it's just... He doesn't succeed all the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, we see him try to interact with Snape in an adult way, and he struggles, but he's trying, and, um... And Snape's you not, know, not he, making it easy on him either. No, he isn't. 
And, you know, he's trying to be there for Harry, even if he's not doing the most amazing job. He's doing his best. Um, And, like, he could have been, you know, like, you remind me too much of James. This is too painful. Like, I can't be in your life. That's true. Um, But that's not the way he went. He he went, you know, trying his best to... um, to be a part of Harry's life, and and he just struggled. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, this is really sad to think about what Sirius could have been if he had been part of a stable and accepting family unit. Absolutely. <laughs> Whether as a teenager or as an adult. Um, yeah, that's sad. Poor Sirius. Yeah, I agree. Poor Sirius. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the next few comments are actually about the Shrieking Shack incident, because um, we didn't have much time to talk about it on the episode, just because there were so many things about Sirius we wanted to touch on. So I included several here um, that make, they all generally make the same points, but in different ways and using different examples that I think all kind of help drive it home. So hopefully this isn't redundant. I, I think I picked out ones that were not. <laughs> I hope the <laughs> listeners will agree. But the next one um, about the same thing is from Mars is Bright Tonight, which is also a great username. Uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. And they say, I never interpreted Sirius's action as intended to murder or injure Snape, having been so close with Lupin for many years and having spent time with him in his werewolf state. I believe Sirius simply became desensitized to the danger of the situation. I believe that he simply meant to lure Snape into the Shrieking Shack and give him a good fright before taking control of the situation. If anything, Sirius overestimated his own control of the situation. What I find more problematic is that he didn't consider the additional risk to Lupin, not only from the exposure perspective, but also from the fact that Snape could have potentially killed him in a panic. Sirius assumed that if the two were to meet, Werewolf Lupin would scare the grease off Snape's hair, and then the Marauders would have a laugh together. However, Snape was already an accomplished dark wizard with an arsenal of combat spells, and instead of getting incapacitated by his fear, may have gone on the offensive and killed the werewolf charging at him. Okay. Mars is bright tonight. I have not um, heard your username come up before, so I don't know if you're new to the forums or just new to uh, our recaps, but I want more of your comments all over the place. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Because... Yes, everything is yes. Yep. <laughs> and that's, I I never I totally feel similarly that, you know, that I don't think Sirius intended to seriously harm Snape. Maybe shake him up a little bit, but I don't think it ever even occurred to him that Snape could be killed or, you know, bitten or and I think you're totally right that, I mean, like, I feel like I hadn't quite figured out why. And you just put the nail on the head that that it's because Sirius was desensitized to the danger of Lupin in his werewolf state. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I love this comment. Yeah, and there's some great responses to this one as well that, again, I would encourage our listeners to read, having to do with wizards in general being desensitized to physical danger. Because a kid can fall off a broom during Quidditch and break their arm, and, oh, no big deal, it's fixed in five seconds. So, you know, serious playing playing a prank like this, it just probably never even occurred to him that actual harm could befall one or the other that could not be reversed. He didn't think, oh, yeah, werewolf bites are not curable or, oh, yeah, death is not curable. (laughs) You know, he was just like, oh, they'll just get into a little tiff or one will get scared and that'll be the end of that. Um, I think they're completely correct that he just and and others made the comment as well that um, Sirius just did not. He didn't think it all the way through. He did not think of the ramifications for Lupin at all. He was only thinking about scaring Snape. Um, which is what a lot of teenagers do. They don't think all the way through a situation or a decision. They just, they're like, oh, that sounds like a good idea at the time. Let's do that. And then later they're like, oh, crap, that was a bad idea. Um, Yeah, I think something similar that comes to mind. It's a totally different, you know, context and doesn't quite line up the same. But with Harry and 
Malfoy, when Harry uses Septim Sempra on Malfoy, mm-hmm. um, he intended to hurt him. Like, he wasn't, like, he was fighting. <laughs> he, mm-hmm. he wasn't, like, trying to, you know, sprout kittens from his wand. But, um, <laughs> but as, <laughs> but as soon as he realized the extent of the damage that he'd just done, he was, like, immediately scared and like he I'm pretty sure even the narration says like he didn't mean to do that um he didn't want to kill Draco um and I bet that if uh James wasn't able to pull Snape back um and save his life that if something really bad had happened to Snape that Sirius would have had trouble dealing with that Mm um or at least i'd like to think that about him yeah and that's a great comparison because yeah harry had no clue what that spell did and had put all of his faith in the half-blood prince thinking he was an okay guy and then he did he does this and is like oh my god who is this psychopath whose book i've been reading all year um not to say that snape is a psychopath he's not um at least compared to Voldemort, he's not um but he definitely had some dark tendencies in his school years and i think yeah harry was mortified when he saw what he had done and that definitely right. was not his intention and thankfully snape was there to reverse it um so that's that's a fantastic comparison. But I had also just not thought about the fact that Snape could have killed Lupin. It could have been reversed. And how bad would Sirius have felt then? I mean, in all of these situations, yeah. if it had played out differently, Sirius would have felt horrible. But if it had literally killed his best friend, like, oh, my God. Yeah, I can't even imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Great comment. Yes. So our next comment comes from You're Just as Sane as I Am. And I'm not particularly sane, so it's not saying a lot. Um, uh, And they say the whole werewolf prank on Lupin when they were kids wasn't one of Sirius's finer moments. However, just like the many fanfic writers out there, I think that Sirius did feel some sort of remorse for that incident. Not necessarily that he did it to Snape, but because of how it affected his relationship with the Marauders, especially James and Lupin. Since you all agreed in the episode that James's friendship meant everything to Sirius, there had to be some blowback from that incident. James Potter wouldn't be that selfish to save Snape just because he didn't want to get into trouble, or how that might have hurt his chances with Lily. Even though the first comments from Sirius about Snape are not pleasant ones, we never truly know how that incident affected the Marauders as a group, which would have been interesting to see since we don't really hear about any conflicts within the group itself. Excellent point, which Mm, really makes me want to read that fanfic. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, again, another thing I'd never thought of, but surely, even if they didn't get in trouble, because I think we discussed on the episode how there was no punishment for this prank, um surely they had some kind of altercation between themselves, between James and Sirius, or James, Sirius, and Lupin, all being like, dude, what were you thinking? Um, And I I would expect Lupin was possibly hurt for a while, um, thinking about the position that Sirius put him in, and not thinking it through, and like, seriously, dude, you did not think about all the horrible things this could have done to me forever? (laughs) Um, I mean... Obviously, they got over it because they remained friends. They were able to forgive each other. But yeah, surely that did have some kind of uh, effect on their friendship, at least for a little while. I forget where I heard this, but um, I feel like maybe even on this show, we were talking about it at one point. Um, Listeners, refresh my memory if you can remember what I'm talking about. But um, I seem to recall discussing... The idea that Lupin could have grown apart from the rest of the Marauders, um, you know, later in their in their school years and after they'd left school. Um, and there's, you know, some evidence for that. Um, mostly that, like, Lupin took it for granted that Sirius had, in fact, you know, killed a bunch of, of muggles and, and betrayed his friends. And, like, he never followed up on that. Um, he just assumed it was true. Yeah. Um, and that like, there's never any discussion about, um, his involvement with the Potters when they go into hiding. It was always, you know, serious. And then Peter, um, and it seems like Lupin wasn't even considered. And just, you know, some of the ways that Lupin talks 
in Prisoner of Azkaban makes it sound a little bit like that there was a little bit of distance um, toward the end there. And that could be, you know, totally way off base, but it's interesting to read this comment with those thoughts in mind. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe this incident is what sort of caused the distance if, if Lupin was kind of like, you know, I need a break from you guys. Like, you guys are always causing so much trouble, and um, and I, I just don't want to be a part of that anymore. Like, I don't know. Yeah, don't know. that's a really good It's crazy to think about. Yeah. Because I think I want to write that fanfic. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) I think we kind of assumed that Lupin is not around between you know graduation and when the Potters die because he's on like missions for the Order, probably with the werewolves, etc. But that may not be the case. Maybe he literally was staying away for other reasons as well. Um, Because we don't see any evidence that he was in contact with the Potters like we do with Sirius with that letter and. Not to say that they weren't, just because we don't see the evidence, but um, just the fact that we don't see it, it leaves it up to interpretation. Because, um, And again, we don't know when this prank happened is another thing. It could have happened in their second year. It could have happened in their seventh. Um, I don't think it says anywhere when this actually takes place. So if it did take place later in their schooling, then that would lead even more credence to after graduation being like, okay, peace out, guys. I I need to go away while you grow up. (laughs) I think we know it's at least after they became Animagi because, like, they they weren't going down to the Shrieking Shack before then, I don't think. Um, That's true, but I think they already knew that Lupin was going there. That's Um, true. But, yeah, I don't know that they would have been going there themselves yet. I got the impression that James was, like, in the tunnel of the Shrieking Shack when he saved Snape, but maybe I, think, I, no, I think you're right. just extrapolated that. I think you, because Snape got a glimpse of Lupin as a werewolf, right. so yeah, I think he made it all the way to the shack. So, yeah. So James but he also there. wasn't transformed because Snape didn't know that they were in a Magi, so mm-hmm. I don't know quite how that pans out, but if if it if we can assume that it's after they became in a Magi, didn't they do that in their fifth year? Yeah. Um. So we know it's at least after that. Yep. So yeah, if, if anyone else there knows, if there's a source somewhere that says when this happens, we would love to know. Please comment and let us know. Um, but yeah, that would make the most sense to me, that it was at least fifth year, if not later. Even though James wasn't in Prong's form when he did it, because um, Snape didn't know that they were all anime-magi. Anime um, guy, Whatever. Uh, <laughs> it's another one of those words. It's another one of those <laughs> words. Thanks, Joe. But yeah, so that's, that's open to a bit of interpretation. Um, and then we have one last short comment about this prank, and then we'll move on to to something else. Um, and this is, I, I don't know if I can read it the way that she wrote it, because it's hilarious, but Dora Nympha, um, I'll, I'll do an example so you know how she wrote it, because I don't think I can do it the way she wrote it, because it's not just a word. But you know how people will be like, oh, hypocrite, <laughs> um, like coughing while saying a word just to be funny and yeah. So the person doesn't necessarily hear them say the word, even though they're saying the word. So this whole sentence has cough around it. And it says, if Sirius isn't redeemable for the shrieking shack prank, then nor are Fred and George for shoving Montague in the broken cabinet, potentially killing him or forcing him into eternal limbo. Boom. I love that comment because it's so true. <laughs> yeah. I mean... I I don't know because they didn't really know what would happen. I don't think they knew it was a vanishing cabinet. But that's even or did worse. They? I mean, if they don't know what it is, it could have been a death cabinet for all they know. <laughs> or it could have just been a normal cabinet. <laughs> but yeah, the the fact that they just didn't know what it did or where he went. Uh, yeah, I, like the, like she says could have been, could have killed him, could have put her, I mean, if nobody had found him in the toilet, he could have drowned. I don't know exactly how he was lodged in the toilet or if his head was underwater, but, you know, that could have been very, and he was in the hospital for what, like months after that, I believe, after they found him. So it definitely did some damage. Um, or he could have just disappeared because I think the thing was already broken by that point. Um, so it wasn't functioning correctly, clearly. So, yeah, it's kind of hypocritical to say that just because of that one incident, Sirius is not redeemable, but then look away when Fred and George do something like this. 
And I'm not saying that Fred and George are horrible people because they did this. I certainly don't believe that. I think it's just, it's kind of equal. They, But they both were teenagers, or all three, I should say, uh, or both sets, were teenagers, were not thinking about the long-term consequences. They were just thinking about what they wanted to do in the moment to get back at somebody who had made them angry, and they just did it. Um, so, yeah, it, it kind of puts, thing in, puts things into perspective, I think. What do you think? Yeah, I think this is a good point. Um, another thing I think is slightly different between these two instances, I think, um, with Sirius is he had to sort not even plan it out, but, like, I think there was more thought put into um, telling Snape about the Shrieking Shack than there was about Fred and George shoving Montague into the cabinet. Yeah. I feel like the thing with Fred and George was sort of like an opportunity thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sirius was more of a meditated choice. Um, I don't want to say premeditated because I don't know that he really like, you know, planned it out a whole bunch. But um, but I do think he he made a choice and there was more thought put into it. But I like this um, comparison. It's not something I would have ever thought of. So thank you, Dora Nympha, for giving us something to think about. Yes, thank you very much. And I wanted to give Eric an extra shout out regarding the prank, <laughs> because after this episode, um, he realized, because you know, Sirius is his favorite character, and he was kind of questioning that by the end. Like, am I a bad person for him being my favorite character after this Shrieking Shack thing? Um, so he took that to his other podcast, MuggleCast, and had a discussion with Andrew and Micah just about the prank itself, like nothing else about series, but just about that. And they made some really excellent points. And uh, for any of MuggleCast patrons, I would encourage you to check that out because um, it, it opened my eyes as well to different takes on how that went down or why and et cetera, um, and how much blame to put on him, um, et cetera. And I think in the end, they kind of, they also chalked it up to teenage immaturity and agreed uh, with many of our listeners that said it should not be held against him for the rest of his life. Um, I think that was the verdict that they all kind of came to, but it was a really good discussion. Um, and he gave Alohomora a shout out. So I'm giving MuggleCast a shout out in return. <laughs> <laughs> so good job, Eric. Oh, and... As far as holding something like this against someone for the rest of their lives, I kind of view this the way our penal system does as as far as juveniles versus adults in the legal sense. Um, When a teenager does something illegal, they are typically, uh, you know, it's a different sentence. They go to juvie or something. They're not put in adult prison with other adults. Uh, In most cases, there are some where they do. But I think this is kind of the same thing. If you take a teenager and treat them as an adult and put the same, uh, I don't know if importance is the word, but the same kind of punishment on that decision when they're still young enough that they can make stupid decisions without having thought it through, it can really set them up for failure for the rest of their life. Um, Whereas if you do give them the chance to reconcile and to really think about what they did wrong and learn from it, I think they can go on to be productive members of society. So I, yeah, I I agree with the people. And I think we had some commenters say this, um, that we should not hold it against him forever. Like there's a statute of limitations kind of where you have to just say, okay, he was a dumb teenager. That was a stupid thing to do. He wouldn't do it now and kind of move on from it. Yeah. But like, did he even get detention or anything? Like that's the thing. Yeah, that part, minorly punished. That part is annoying. I agree. <laughs> they should have had some punishment for that. Do some community service or <laughs> picking up werewolf poop. You know, some some like you know, no extracurricular activities allowed for a month or I don't know something. Yeah, I wonder if they just swept it under the rug because they didn't want the other students to find out what had happened. Right. But, yeah, I feel like they they, sh- they could have done something and still kept it under wraps. Yeah, imagine, like, you know, being a random student and be like, wow, like, Sirius has, like, really serious detention for just being out of, you know, out of the dorm at night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you should have had to oh, be, like, summer really school. harsh detention. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, should we move on? Yeah, so we have another comment here by David B. Jones, 999. 
And they say, I'm actually currently reading Order Again, and I just finished the chapter Career Advice, and was struck by the amount of growth that Sirius displayed in the chapter. When Harry confronts them about their actions in Snape's memory, he seems to regret the actions that he took. In this scene, it seems like he's able to recognize that what he and James did was wrong. He even seems to feel a little bit guilty about how they treated Snape. It feels like when Sirius isn't in the presence of Snape, he's able to put aside his hatred of him and act more reasonably. Yes, I agree with Yeah, this. I agree with this too. Definitely. I pulled out um, the quotes or the section that he was talking about from Order. Um, if you want to read that real quick. Yeah. Yeah, said Harry. But he just attacked Snape for no good reason. Just because, well, just because you said you were bored. He finished with a slightly apologetic note in his voice. I'm not proud of it, said Sirius quickly. Lupin looked sideways at Sirius and then said, Look, Harry, what you've got to understand is that your father and Sirius were the best in school at whatever they did. Everyone thought they were the height of cool. If they sometimes got a bit carried away... If we were sometimes arrogant little Burks, you mean, said Sirius. Of course he was a bit of an idiot, said Sirius bracingly. We were all idiots. Not Mooney so much, he said faringly, looking at Lupin. But Lupin shook his head. Did I ever tell you to lay off Snape, he said. Did I ever have the guts to tell you I thought you were out of order? Yeah, well, said Sirius. You made us feel ashamed of ourselves sometimes. That was something. Yeah. So I think that proves the point that he's trying to make that, yes, when... Because, again, like, when we're we're in Grimald Place and Snape and Sirius are having that confrontation, yeah, it doesn't seem like there's any remorse there whatsoever. But when he's not around Snape, when he's talking to Harry, talking to Lupin... He can say, okay, yeah, I was a stupid kid. It was a stupid thing to do. And and I don't even think he's talking about the, the prank right here. He's just talking about the Levy Corpus thing, showing mm-hmm. Snape's underpants, um, which is equal, I mean, not equally horrible. It's still, but it is horrible. <laughs> um, but I'm sure he also feels the same way about the prank as what he's saying here. So, yeah, because I, I think in the, in the episode we were just wondering, does he feel any remorse whatsoever? And I think here's some proof that he does, even if it's hard for him to admit. And I feel that he is that stubborn type character that would have trouble admitting that they did something wrong. But I think right here he absolutely does, and I appreciate that. Yeah, I really like the um, just fatherly air we get from Sirius and Lupin in this scene. Um, I think that it's a really cool dynamic happening here in this conversation and it is very much like you know a adult guardian to kid talking in in this conversation and we don't get to see that a whole ton um Mm -hmm. because we don't get serious for very long and he doesn't really get to be a father figure very often um so i really like this scene a lot yes me too (laughs) And there's a short snippet from Ashley Pradella's comment. Um, Why don't you read that, too? Because it goes with this. Sure, yeah. Um, They say, I'm sure there are many people out there who would hate to be judged on some things they did when they were a teenager. It seems like Lupin has forgiven Sirius. And that's really the biggest piece to this puzzle, I feel like. like. We have this anger towards Sirius for doing this. But Lupin and, well, and Snape equally, I guess, were in the most danger um, because of the situation that Sirius put them in. And if Lupin can forgive Sirius, then why can't we? Yeah. You know, I was kind of flippant in my response at the end of the episode where I'm like, oh, yeah, he's redeemable because Harry names his kid after him. That was that was just me being silly because I had not thought it all the way through. I'm like, sure, here's my reasoning until I actually have some time to think about it. But when I, once I read her response to this, I was like, well, there you go. Like, How can you argue with that? I'm sure some people yeah. will, but <laughs> <laughs> please do argue with it. If you have <laughs> other thoughts, we'd love to hear them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would say Snape never forgives, obviously, but he's, he doesn't forgive anyone for anything. <laughs> I don't believe. <laughs> so, but and we, we do know he feels remorse though. So yeah, but yeah, I, I think if Lupin can forgive Sirius, then, then we all should be able to. So moving on to a different topic, um, another comment from Davy B. Jones 999. 
Uh, they say, personally, I think the reestablishment of the Order of the Phoenix was the absolute worst thing that ever could have happened to Sirius and is the biggest part of why he doesn't act as a very good godfather for Harry. In Goblet, despite being a fugitive, he's a pretty good parental figure for Harry and gives really good advice. But forcing him to go back to Grimald Place just makes everything worse. It not only stops the growth that Sirius was going through during the previous year, but actually regresses him back to how he was as a teenager. It's like being freed from prison and being able to live life for a year, but then being put into essentially house arrest. Which, wow. Yeah. All of yeah. that is great. I wonder how much of this was Sirius's choice. Like, I always thought that he... Um, chose to come back and chose to rejoin the, the efforts of the order and to give up his family house and all of that to the effort. Um, this makes me sort of question if it was all his idea or if he was coerced by Dumbledore to come back. And I wonder what would have happened if he had just said, you know, I have done my time. I have done just about everything that I could do to help, and I need to not be part of this. Hmm. <laughs> I would not have blamed him for doing that. Yeah. Um, I, I appreciate the aspect of his character that drew him to come back, um, but I don't think I would have blamed him if he hadn't. Yeah, that's a good point. I think uh, during the episode we talked about how Harry may have worried about him more if he had left the house and gone on his own to do whatever. Um, but we also realized he worried about him when he was at the home by himself with Creature. Yeah. Um, I think if Sirius was, you know, in another country and really far removed from everything, I don't think Harry would have worried about him. I don't like, I don't think Harry worried about him nearly as much when he was gallivanting in the tropical lands. That's wherever true. He was. <laughs> um, and it was really only when, you know, he started being cooped up and restless that Harry started to worry about him the most. But I also don't think Sirius could have just gone on holiday, so to speak. I while don't think so every- either. Yeah, while everyone else did the fighting, that's just not in him. Especially with Harry being so central to everything. Yeah. I don't think he could have abandoned yeah. Harry like that. So yeah, I, th- I guess it's it's both. It's Dumbledore asking him to do this and him also making the choice to follow Dumbledore's advice, um, which must have been a really hard decision to make. And I, I almost wish he and Harry had had more time to have conversations about that. I mean, Harry heard him complaining about it. I mean, he complained about it to Harry being stuck in that horrible house. But I wish they'd had more of a heart-to-heart about why he was choosing to stay there, even though he hated it so much, so that Harry wouldn't have worried so much about him. And I don't know if that would have helped, but maybe if he said, you know, I'm doing this because I want to be close to you, I want to be near you, I I want to be helpful anytime I'm needed off to the order for for whatever. Um, I don't know. Yeah. But it, it definitely does seem like he was making progress, and then... And did reg- did regress, like Davy B. Jones said, once he got back to Grimald Place for any amount of time, which is super sad. Yeah. Um, and there's also more to this comment. This was just the first the first part of um, a several comment thread that he started. Um, he goes on to make some great comparisons to Guantanamo Bay and other war criminals who were imprisoned without a trial. Um, so I would definitely encourage our listeners to go read the rest of that thread because it, it was very educational to me and it was just cool to hear other experiences that were similar to this and see kind of where Joe maybe have gotten some inspiration for Sirius's character and how all of this affected him going forward. Awesome. So we have an, another double commenter here, um, <laughs> Dora Nympha. Um, and they say, what has always fascinated me about Sirius Black is where he gets his moral fiber from. He gets on the Hogwarts Express already disagreeing very strongly with his family's values. Where did he get this from? I suppose a lot of it has to do with the fact that he lived in London as a child. He would not have been isolated from the rest of the world. He may even have had friendships with muggle kids in the city when Welburga wasn't looking. Unlike Draco, for example, who grew up in a country mansion. However, why didn't Regulus turn out to be the same then? Did Uncle Alfred have something to do with this? Maybe he and Sirius always had 
a peripheral sort of relationship where Sirius was already exposed to non-pure-bloodist views through his uncle, who would similarly be outcast from the family later on. Furthermore, he mentions he had a place of his own after Alfred left him a bit of money. Where is this house? Is it a safe house? Is it a possible location where Harry could have moved in his adult life? So many good questions in this call. I have <laughs> never considered any of this. <laughs> I'm I'm not that interested in how he um came to have different views from his family, just because I don't think that's particularly uncommon. I know a lot of people who, for example, like have political views that are very different from the rest of their family or um, just, you know, different, totally different personalities from the rest of their family, things like that. Um, so I guess that doesn't surprise me all that much, but um, the influence of his Uncle Alfred is is very interesting, and I'm super interested about his house. <laughs> Me too! And and even people like you're talking about who end up having very different views and personalities from their family members, I would say they are influenced by someone. Um, even mm-hmm. if it's not family member, it may be a friend or, um, you know, somebody they go to school with or uh, an idol, you know, they may have a rock star that they just really like and they want to be like that person. Um Usually, it's they don't develop those differences in a void. They're they're influenced by something or someone. That's so, very true. So yeah, his uncle may have been that influence that Sirius needed to see things a different way, and then start forming his own ideology that did differ from his family. So I, I love this possibility, and I really want to know more about their relationship now. And and yeah, the fact that his uncle leaves him money makes that seem even more legitimate probably. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of that, you know, he's kicked out of the family, etc. So, yeah, that makes me think that Alfred is a really cool person and I want to know more about him. <laughs> I think it's interesting, if he had his own house, why does he still have so much stuff at his parents' house? Like, I mean, I still have some of my old childhood things at my parents' house, but I moved most of my stuff out of my parents' house when I moved out. Well... I guess my thought on that is that once he got his own place, he probably didn't go back to his That's fair. original. He would just be like, because no, I think he was already staying with the Potters by then. Mm-hmm. Um, they had already kicked him out. So he, yeah, he probably didn't even go back to get his stuff. Um, and my second thought was he owned this house, but again, I don't, I don't know if this was a muggle house or a wizarding house or how things even work differently as far as buying a house goes. But because we never hear about like wizarding taxes, so to speak. So if he didn't buy the house outright and if there was a mortgage on it and then he went to prison and wasn't paying on it, it would have been taken back by the bank. Um, or if he did buy it outright, outright, but was not paying taxes on it, I think the same thing would have happened. Um, so someone else could have, you know, bought the house or it would have gone back to the bank and then resold or something. I'm guessing something like that happened because it's never mentioned again. So I I feel like it's no longer under his ownership by the time he gets out of Azkaban. Well, why wouldn't the same thing happen to Grimmauld Place? Um, Yes, that's a good question. (laughs) Well, we know Grimmauld Place is kind of secret um, already. Like, that it's just, you know, like, I know that that added protection is put on it um, with the Fidelius charm. But don't we know that there's already some amount of hiding of it before then? Not that I recall, but that doesn't mean you're wrong. I just don't remember. I could <laughs> have just made that up. <laughs> <laughs> but that also the black family was so wealthy that, and because it seemed to be a very, wizarding household i feel like that would be like a green gots um owned property type or not owned but like they would have somehow done the monetary stuff through green gods and because they still had money in their vault that green gods could just keep taking money out of their vault if mm-hmm. they needed to for mortgage or taxes whereas if the house that he purchased was more in a muggle town um it would have been going through a muggle bank and that sort of thing hmm that's so interesting. It really is. <laughs> also, do we think it's possible that that Harry could have visited Sirius's house as a baby? <gasps> oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! He might have. I didn't even think about 
that. Oh, no, I'm sad. <laughs> because, yeah, they don't go into hiding until Harry is almost, or no, he already is one. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, yeah, they absolutely could have during that first year of his life. They could have taken him all over the place. <laughs> I'm not to cry. <laughs> That's a really Sorry good Sorry to... It's okay. Bum out the mood a little. <laughs> it's totally okay. <laughs> well, so let's uh, move into an email that we got by um, one of our guests coming up for um, for our next episode. Yes. So you guys are about to hear a lot from Miss Sherry Gomes, um, but I wanted to read her, a comment that she sent to us uh, about this episode because I thought it was a great note to end on, and it's just another... Great. Yeah. You'll, you'll, you'll see why I picked it out after I read it, I think. Uh, one thing nobody really mentioned on the podcast was Harry's fourth year. People are quick to talk about what a bad godfather Sirius was, but when I think about that, I think about fourth year, living in a cave as a dog, eating rats, all to be near Harry. It leaves me breathless and stupefied with amazement that anyone would do such a thing, and it always brings a tear or two to my eye to think of the deep love behind those actions. Oh, Sherry, that's so great. All the feels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, guys, get ready for many more comments like this from Sherry in the upcoming episode. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're going to feel all the feels in the best way. She's she's fantastic. Um, but I was so glad that she wrote in um, about this topic as well, because I know that Sirius means a lot to her. Um and yeah, just I wanted to put something positive at the end, and and most of this actually was positive stuff. I would say that we've been yeah, talking about. Yeah, I think so too. Um, but that was just an extra little positive thing. And one more thing, if we have time, because at the beginning of the serious episode, I had said I was neutral on that character, and I was curious if they were going to sway me one way or the other by the end of the episode. Um, but we talked for so long that I never got around to saying whether or not they changed my mind. Um, and honestly, by the end of the episode, I still wasn't quite sure. I was a little like, eh, maybe, maybe not. But after all of these wonderful comments from our listeners, I'm happy to say that my opinion has been swayed to the positive side. And I just want to tell you all real quick why. Um, that, yeah, the hosts from that episode and all the commenters helped me you know, see different aspects of his character. Um, I agree with many who argue that Sirius's youthful indiscretions were direct re- directly related to his immaturity and inability to think of the possible consequences of his actions. I agree with those who said he showed some, re- some remorse, even if it wasn't as much as we'd like. I agree with his second imprisonment in Grimald Place was almost as bad as his imprisonment in Azkaban. You know, not as bad, obviously, but still pretty <laughs> bad. Um, I agree with Rowling that his development was stunted due to his stay in Azkaban during such formative years. And I agree that he was incredibly loyal to those he cared about and loved Harry fiercely in the best way he knew how. Um, so I see the mistakes he made, and I'm certainly not saying they should be ignored, but on the whole, I do think that Sirius is a redeemable character who deserves the amount of love that the fandom gives him. So, all to say, I like him now. <laughs> not that I disliked him, I was just like, eh, I don't really know one way or another. And and now I think with all of this evidence that everyone's given me, I, I'm Happy to say that I like Sirius. Yeah, I, for the most part, agree. Um, I, you know, I used to think that Sirius was my absolute favorite character. Um, and as I have become an adult, that has dwindled significantly. Um, just because he frustrates me. <laughs> because I, I want him to be there more for Harry. I want him to be, um, be more than he is able to be. Um, but I also think that he is redeemable and I think that, um, not all of that is his fault. Um, and I think that we all have things that we're not totally proud of from when we were a teenager and most of us are able to, um, grow and make up for those things. And I don't really feel like Sirius was given that opportunity and that's not really fair to him to judge him solely based on that. 
Um, and so I, I am frustrated by Sirius and I wish he had been afforded more opportunities to grow, um, and, and be what I think he could be. Um, but I, I try not to be too hard on him because I don't think he deserves all of <laughs> what we put on him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I, in general, I think he's a fantastic character. Um, you know, I think we can, a character's likability isn't necessarily tied to how good of a character they are. Um, and I think he's a fantastic character. Absolutely. Agreed. So thank you to everyone who left these amazing comments. And why don't you give a few more shout outs to the others that participated in this wonderful yeah. discussion. Thank you to a serious Potterhead. They've taken my wheezy. Thanks, Hermione, Martin Miggs, Lily Davis, Lisa, Diskid, Slytherin Knight, Rosmerta's Turquoise Shoes, Emily, and Traveling in a Blue Box. Thank you, everybody who commented. Um, and those I just listed had awesome comments, and we wish we could have put them in the show if the show wasn't already pushing an hour. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you all had such amazing things to say. So if you want to continue this conversation or just continue to educate yourself about the topic, you can just go read them. You don't even have to participate, but just I definitely recommend you give those a read because they're fantastic. So yay! Claps to everyone. Um, and one more reminder to check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash alohomora. And huge thanks again to Catherine Costantini for sponsoring this episode. And upcoming, we have the chapter re revisit for Deathly Hallows Chapter 34, The Forest Again. Um, and as I said previously, Sherry is on that episode. So if you enjoyed her comment, definitely, um, head on over to listen to our chapter discussion because she has a lot of fantastic points as well. Indeed. So I'm Beth. And I'm Katie. Mischief managed. Uh, and they say the whole werewolf plank, bleh, the whole werewolf plank on Lupin when they, did I just do it again? Yes. You know, <laughs> Katie and I can't speak today and it's totally fine. Totally. <laughs>